My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America podcast, as always, with me, Jarlath Regan, in Ireland, and Marion McKeown, my co-conspirator over <laughs> in the USA. Unindicted co-conspirator, so I should say. It's been a massive week. Fanny Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney in Georgia, who is prosecuting Donald Trump and 18 others of his allies. I don't know if allies is the word. Cohorts. Co-conspirators is the word that's been thrown around in their efforts to overturn the 2020 election. She has since faced a flurry of racist online abuse after the former president attacked his opponent using the word rigors, a thinly veiled play on the N-word. Marion, this must be about the least surprising aspect of what's taken place. This is straight out of the Trump playbook, play the man, not the ball. I wanted to start this episode by asking you, because it it would take an awful lot for any of our listeners to be able to keep up with what is happening, given that this is the fourth indictment. Maybe you can catch us up on what is truly surprising. What surprised you about what we heard this week from Phony Willis? Okay, you know what, Charles, I'm going to have to say very little because I've been following this case very closely. She has been rigorous. Now, people, I've spoken to a number of people who've worked with Fonnie Willis in in the past, some people who are still working with her. They say she is so tough, so laser focused, so rigorous by her own admission. She works 14, 16 hours every day. She has been pursuing this case long before Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney General, was basically bounced into, which which he was, and I know he didn't want to seem political at the time, but sometimes by not wanting to seem political, you actually are even more political. Uh, But Fonnie Willis took this case as soon as the phone call uh, between Trump and Brad Raffensperger became public knowledge. Back in early January 2021, she started investigating this. She's been investigating this for two and a half years. She hasn't been deflected by threats. She hasn't been deflected by criticisms. She hasn't been deflected by a new law in Georgia, which there, by which um, the legislature could fire any prosecutor if they don't like what they're doing, which is a total violation of the, the you know, legislature and the judiciary. And she has just been tenacious. And she has a team that is really motivated in Georgia, and they are working incredibly hard for her. She has repeatedly said to them, 
ignore attacks on me. Keep your heads down. You don't have to defend me. The way you will defend me is to do the best work possible and just keep your eyes on what you're meant to be doing. So she has really been thorough and meticulous. She also has a very good track record as a prosecutor. Uh, you know, most prosecutors don't like to bring cases they will win. They're very cowardly because they don't like to have a poor record when it comes to election time. So they tend to pick the easy cases. She has brought 12 or 13 RICO cases, um, and one just finished up a couple of weeks ago, which she also won. She brought hugely controversial RICO cases, including one against a bunch of the, the Georgia education system and school teachers who were basically fixing grades. So it looked like the kids were doing better in school than they were. And she brought this as a conspiracy, as a sort of a criminal enterprise involving a number of people, which it did. People were spitting at her in her local supermarket. She ignored them all. She won the case. So you are, you are really dealing here with a pretty formidable woman. Now, as I say, long before Merrick Garland or Jack Smith or anybody else had started their investigations, she was plugging away at this investigation in Georgia. She's come up with a 96-page indictment. We have 19 conspirators. Donald Trump is the head of the snake here. And I don't mean that in any pejorative way, but obviously nobody else would have done anything lower down the, the the sort of the pile had it not been for him and the other the, the reason i think that this case there's something slightly abstract i'm finding in speaking to american people and by that i mainly mean republicans and and independents because you know obviously uh democrats as far as they're concerned you know it, it, it's it's just a matter of getting mm. the Senate down and you know the, there is you know people are tend to be on both sides of the aisle here, not very objective about this. But I think what, what's happening in Georgia is different because you have real victims in Georgia. You know, people see, um, the, you know, Jack Smith, and I think wisely, didn't bring include the January 6th riots, okay? He didn't include that. So he's he's looking at the, the up to January 6th and a bit after it, but he's not saying anywhere Donald Trump incited these riots. It's Donald Trump's fault that seven people are dead and that 200 policemen were injured and several of them had to retire because of their injuries. Uh, so he's not claiming any of that. It's, it's quite a dry case. Fannie Willis has real victims who will testify. She has the mother and daughter, Ruby Freeman and her and, and her, her daughter, who, who were threatened to harass, who could not leave their houses for, for just doing their jobs as volunteer election officials. And their lives were threatened. They had people outside threatening to burn down their houses. And they this was all sicked on them by Rudy Giuliani, who claimed that with no proof whatsoever that they were rigging something in, in one election centre. It turned out they were passing each other a, a suite. The mother passed the daughter a suite and he said, oh, look, she passed her something here. It's probably cocaine because they've been up all night trying to rig this, etc. Rudy Giuliani has now admitted he lied in a separate civil suit. So you will have these women who had their really brave women who, who just had their lives destroyed. You will have a number of other people. You also have Brad Raffensperger, and Brian Kemp, who, who are very popular Republican, died in the wool Republican, a governor and and his secretary of state, who have said repeatedly, you know, we we were in the tank for Donald Trump. We totally supported him. We went all out for him in 2020. But this election wasn't rigged. This election in Georgia was fair. We did a recount. We did another recount. Donald Trump lost Georgia. He knew he lost Georgia. And when he realized that he had lost Georgia, he then phoned up Brad Raffensperger in, the, in that smoking gun phone call. And he basically ordered him to find, to, to 
create, invent another 11,780 votes, which was one more than what Joe Biden won the state by. And he warned him that if he didn't, he, he would probably bring criminal actions against him. He'd threatened him. So you have here such a pattern. And then behind all that, behind Trump um, and are all of his lackeys, the people who went down to Georgia, the people who tried to intimidate people, the people who tried to steal and meddle with voting machines in Coffee County, and, and people who then threatened, you know, witnesses to try and change their minds to not say what they were saying. So you have, as I said, 19 people. And the people in Georgia get this because they know Brian Kemp is a Republican. He was returned to office. Trump went after him with a vengeance after 2020, and he went after Brad Raffensperger as well. They were both re-elected in 2022 to their respective jobs as governor and secretary of state with massive majorities. So the people of Georgia know them and they trust them. And they believe them at the moment over over Donald Trump. And even though they are no fans of Fannie Willis's, that you know, you cannot sort of separate the two. It's like, well, you know, you have the governor saying, this is all bullshit what Donald Trump is claiming. This election was free and fair. There was no meddling. He lost. So that basically supports Willis's case, even though she's a black female Democrat, and um, which in 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 uh, Georgia and in Donald Trump's book is just a you know it's three strikes and you're out basically. So I think that the people of Georgia are paying will pay, continue to pay very close attention to this, and they are their minds are not made up that Donald Trump is innocent. Their minds are not made up that this election was rigged. And I think that they are giving her some credit, as I said, for the very um, objective, meticulous way she has pursued this case, really on her own, without any of the powers of the federal government behind her or the resources, and in a state that is overwhelmingly Republican and was overwhelmingly pro-Trump, but not and, enough for him to win it, obviously. And how clear she has been on, he's innocent. Until proven yeah. guilty, and that if he is proven guilty, or uh, if he is found innocent, that's that. And I, yeah. I think I thought that that was really telling at the start. But let's talk about the the thirteen unnamed or the nineteen co-conspirators. Yeah. Let's get into this a little bit because I then have a follow up question about somebody who isn't in the list. Thir right. So the breakdown is thirteen unnamed Georgia Republican electors. They are, according to the indictment, they're accused of committing three felony offences, including impersonating a public officer, forging yeah. in the first degree, false statements and writings, and they attempted to commit a fourth felony offence of filing false documents. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you know about that, because this whole RICO thing does bring Donald Trump and his people into this category that he kind of liked to walk the line of, the kind of tough Tony Soprano type, where he's got a gang of people who can lean on you and things mightn't work out that well for you. That's yeah. what those 13 are about, right? They're intimidating. Yeah. People. They're kind of the lower ranking heavies. They're the goons, yeah. you know, the Soprano much. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, people always think of RICO because the federal RICO was very much all about mobsters. It's all about going after the mob, the mafia, organized crime. But the RICO statute in Georgia, which was introduced in um, a 
about in the 70s when Atlanta was really ravaged with crime has been used very, very differently. It's got much broader powers in some respects. As I said, Fannie Willis used it against school teachers. She's used it against rappers. She's used it against drug dealers. It's any criminal enterprise, basically. Anyone that decides oh, they're going to do something and they'll enlist the help of a whole bunch of other people to make sure that it happens. Now, the interesting thing about the Georgia one is Donald Trump didn't even have to know specifically the people who were at the bottom of the rung. He may never have spoken to them. He might not be able to pick them out of a lineup. He probably doesn't even know their names. But that doesn't mean that they weren't, you know, that they're not involved in, the yeah. up in this net. And the critical thing about this, and this is where I think she has a lot of power, is of these 19 people, you've got these bit part players at the end of the pile. You've got the former publicist for Kanye West and, and you know, a couple of other rappers uh, who went down and tried to bully people, you know, election officials. Um, and you've, very, you've, you've a pastor who came down from Chicago to try and bully other people to try and, you know, do Trump's bidding. Now, all of these people, if they are convicted under RICO, uh, they're all looking at a mandatory five-year prison sentence. Now, that seems pretty harsh for somebody who may have indirectly bullied and harassed election officials. But this is where Fannie Willis, I believe, she's going to get a bunch of people like this publicist going out. I'm not going to jail for five years for this. This is bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to plea deal. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to tell her everything I know in exchange for immunity. And that, I think, is precisely what she wants because she has no interest in sending all these bit part players to prison. She wants gotcha. the, the ones at the top. Yeah. And so this, this is, is part of her plan, you reckon? Them. Yeah, this is... And I think it's it's going to be very, very effective because these people probably, the fact that they didn't think they were doing anything wrong isn't necessarily going to be um, a defense of any kind, but they're going to look at this and go, shit, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to jail for Trump. I'm not. They saw what happened on January 6th. And I think that as well, almost the fact that this is a state case, and as well, we know with a state case, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump wins, loses or draws the presidential election. This case is going to go on. There will be no pardon. There will be no directing of the Department of Justice to drop it if he's president. This is outside. Even if he is elected with a massive majority in 2024, there's nothing he can do really about this case. And also, we know that there, there is no federal pardon available. Now, States do have complicated pardon systems, and the one in Georgia is particularly complicated because it's not in the gift of the governor to pardon there. There's a committee. But also, so far, the committee has only agreed to pardon people retrospectively after they serve their prison sentences. So, as I say, of, of all of them, to me, this is the one that will resonate the most with the public. To me, this is the one that's, you know, you will, of course, have Marjorie Taylor Greene. You will have... Um, very, very rabid pro-Trump people who are going to be causing trouble there. Already, we've seen really disturbing things happening where they're, they're already the, the names of the grand jurors and their addresses have been posted on far-right websites. Now, all it takes is one lone wolf, one crazy person, one guy like the guy in Utah or, or you know, somebody else to go to their houses and threaten or attack or worse. So this is really worrying that these grand jurors are vulnerable mm. because Georgia law requires that you do publish their names. And from there, it's just a short hop to get their addresses. So yeah. there is a potential for violence. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I doubt that the 19 conspirators, <clears throat> excuse me, including Trump, are all going to hop on a bus and unload outside the, the Fulton County Jail 
but it, the, you know, I think that, that they will be coming in in probably smaller groups. Donald Trump has to be there by next Friday, I believe midday. And so he's got to figure out how he's going to, to do that as well. But this is, mm. he's getting no sympathy from the Georgia governor. There's nobody there saying this is an outrage, this is a conspiracy, this is the Democrats gone wild. As I say, they don't like Fannie Willis, but they can't have it both ways. They can't say this election was absolutely fair, we stand by everything we did, and then claim that Donald Trump didn't do what he did. Yeah, I mean, the person that I didn't see on the list, and maybe I'm wrong, is Roger Stone. Now, a new video has emerged this week that appears to show the longtime Donald Trump lackey. Is that the right word I'm looking for there? I think that'll <laughs> work. work. <laughs> that'll work. Working, yeah. working his whole off to overturn the 2020 presidential election just days before the results were even announced. So you can see from that video, and I might drop a clip of it in here. You need to hear the whole thing if you're going to understand yep. what exactly he's up to. But I'll drop in a little clip there so you can see that this documentary maker who was following him around at the time has him dictating an email, yeah. which is essentially him going plot hatching. Although state officials in all 50 states must ultimately certify the results of the voting in their state, the final decision as to who the state legislatures authorize be sent to the electoral college is a decision made solely by the legislature. Any legislative body may decide on the basis of overwhelming evidence of fraud to send electors to the electoral college who accurately reflect the president's legitimate victory in their state, which was illegally denied him through fraud. We must be prepared to lobby our Republican legislatures by personal contact and uh, by demonstrating the overwhelming will of the people in their state, in each state, that this may need to happen. The plan, the conspiracy that is now this racketeering influenced and corrupt organization's exactly. uh, prosecution. What did you make, first of all, of the video and of uh, the prospects of uh, for Roger Stone after that? Right. Well, what I made of the video and what I've made of Roger Stone and his non-appearance, you know, in the federal cases as well, is that Roger Stone is singing like a canary. <laughs> That's what I make of Roger Stone. <laughs> that he is in there going, I'm not going to jail. I am not going to jail. And what do you want to know? And how much do you want it? And when do you want it? So I think, it, as you say, he is one of the big missing links here. And the fact that he hasn't cropped up in this, you can be sure He's cooperating. Uh, you know, I, I, I really, yeah. I also believe that Steve Bannon, who was running this war room, you know, and wh where is he on the Jack Smith one? He was yeah. running this war be there to be wild, like telling people to get it. You know what I mean? Where is Steve Bannon? 
where is Lindsey Graham also? Now, Lindsey Graham, we know, also tried to pressure people in a separate phone call in Georgia, not tried to pressure Raffensperger, not to count absentee ballots that would skew Democrat, to try to say, oh, look, you know, find a way of not counting them. Where is Lindsey Graham? So I don't know if maybe Fonnie Willis is bringing a separate case, you know, at some point against, you know, that, that will incorporate this. But this RICO case seems so all-encompassing that it would seem that they should be part of this. Um, so I, I wouldn't second guess anything that's going on, but I think that the absence of certain people, Michael Flynn's another one. Michael Flynn was in there saying martial law, martial law. Now that is a first amendment, right? But he was also in that war room and he was also, you know, so I'm interested to see where some of these missing links are going to turn up or indeed if they're going to turn up. And uh, we all know that Mark Meadows <laughs> is, um, who has basically disappeared without trace. He probably begged to be put in a witness protection program. I, I, I am joking there. I suspect, I suspect that he, but, but you know, the, it, it seems pretty clear that he is, I mean, he was in every meeting. He was on the phone with Raffensperger. You know, he was the other person on that call. It seems pretty clear that he's cooperating because Mark Meadows is somebody who has a reputation in Congress long before he hooked up with Donald Trump for being incredibly slippery and wily. And uh, I suspect that Mark Meadows is looking after Mark Meadows. And, mm. you know, you cannot blame any of these people. I, yes, they, it seems that they all did despicable things. And I think we've seen and heard some of those um, through the January 6th investigation, the massive big public hearings, etc. But they don't want to end up in jail because nobody wants yeah. to end up in jail, frankly. And it does feel like, one, that's where it's going. It does feel like history and how history will record this is kind of materializing before our eyes now. We're getting some kind of clarity on how this will be viewed by, you know, generations to come. And when I say that, I, I immediately think, well, we've got other indictments here that look like slam dunks, such as, you know, confidential documents in the jacks deleting files i mean those are pretty cut and dry which uh, leads me to the the view of this indictment is that this might be of all of those indictments the hardest one to wriggle out of my question to you marion is is that because of what you've just said about those that are cooperating those that are easy to flip or the actual work of Fonnie Willis and how she's put this together, as you said, so diligently, so purposefully that it's another airtight, many tentacled beast of an indictment. I would not say that this is a slam dunk. I think she's prepared an excellent case, but you've got all kinds of variations. You've got a jury pool. Now, Trump obviously wants to have this to become a federal case, which I don't Why think would he want happen. that? Because you get a much bigger jury pool and of course it can be pardoned. Okay. So, you know, it would certainly be in his interest to have it. Have it but you does know, it not become a federal RICO case then? No, not necessarily. It, 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 because the RICO, the federal RICO statute is different. The Georgia one gives the prosecutor far more powers. So I, I think it would benefit him on all counts, but I don't think that's going to happen. He also wants to take him out of Fulton County. He wants to take him to somewhere else in Georgia because he says, well, Fulton County is all black people and I'm not going to get a fair trial. Um, you know, and that that's his. So he wants to take him to, look, ideally, he'd love all these trials to be heard in West Virginia. 
you know, in in some mm. in some big town in West yeah. Virginia. Not really wants no. Yeah, or or possibly even yeah, Florida. But but he ain't getting that. I mean, he has got one case in Miami, um, which is is now um it's in Pierce County, which is is where a lot of that will will be heard. But and that's the the uh, the documents case. I I, it's weird because. There is a real sadness about this because, you know, I've just spent four or five days in Iowa and I was in Florida before that. And it's so this sort of stuff, like if you heard about this happening in some tin pot dictatorship country, you know, you know, the intimidating witnesses lying, squeezing people, saying basically black is white, like, you know, unleashing crazies on on innocent people, you you would kind of. It's unthinkable that this is happening in America. And yet half, for half of America, they see nothing wrong with it. Maybe not quite half, but for all of the Trump supporters, they see nothing wrong with what he did. What they see wrong is that he's now being persecuted for doing it. They really think he should have had the right to do whatever it took to win. And you're kind of seeing American norms. It's not that they're eroding. They're gone. They're gone. Mm. You know, there's a whole part of America oh. now that, that of sort of decency that is gone. And if Donald Trump is convicted, and if he does, I don't. I certainly on federal the federal charges. I don't see him going to prison. I think I don't think anybody necessarily wants to see him in prison, but they do want accountability. They do, you know, whether you're a Democrat or an independent or whatever, unless you're a MAGA person who totally doesn't care whether he's guilty or innocent, you know, because you believe the whole country is rigged against you and that Donald Trump's your only saviour, because it is a cult, basically. Um, It's really sad to see America divided in this way, to see Americans so unhappy, so confused, so sort of it's a country i don't recognize from 20 years ago let me ask you about those because you know you've spent just before we came on the call marion was explaining to me exactly the number of miles that she'd covered this week and it was absolutely mind-boggling to consider the far-flung corners that you've seen in the past seven days alone when you're sidling up to regular joes where do you do that and how do you suss out what their opinion is of all of this well, you know, American people will talk to you. Now, a lot of Republicans are very suspicious of the media. But by and large, like I spent several days in and out of the Iowa State Fair, which has about, oh, my God, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. All the politicians were there. You had Robert F. Kennedy up there sounding more Trumpy than Trump. You had basically all of them getting varying degrees of enthusiasm or not. You had Donald Trump just arrive in there and basically crush everyone. And you really saw that that it's like the, the Trump juggernaut. They're, they're like ants scrambling before it. Really, he is. Now, I don't know because in America, anything can happen in politics. I don't know if this is going to take him through to the nomination. It certainly looks that way at the moment. But he's the only show in town. And but yet I spoke with um like dozens of just ordinary, really decent Iowans. A lot of them are absolutely they're they're so in the tank for Trump that they're you you would really feel sorry for them. They're so furious at what's been done to him. They one several of them compared it to the persecution of Jesus Christ, to the crucifixion of Jesus. That's where they're putting this. And mm. and all of the traitors and all of the Judases that are involved. Others are, I spoke with one woman who said her husband is a, a very, very committed 
Trump Republican and that he would, you know, he and his friends are talking about if it comes to it, which I've heard so many times in so many places, if it comes to it, that they will take up arms, they will do what they have to do. Um, and, you know, there there is a lot of that talk in rural Jesus. America. I heard it at the NRA from an elected official in Indiana, an elected state senator who said there are three million of us. We've got millions and millions of guns between us. We hope it doesn't come to it. But if it does, by God, we're ready. So there is a lot of this talk as well, wow. which, you know, some of it, I of course, is bluster. But, you know, it doesn't. Again, it's the lone wolves. It's the, you know, whatever. But a lot of people. Now, one thing I heard in, in um, Iowa which I thought was interesting is, and it came from a woman who works for the Department of Motor Vehicles. And she told me that one of the things she's really noticed, and it reminded me of something I heard in 2016 that was a real signal at the time. She said that, what, you know, when you come in to renew your license, um, you, you get your, your voting registration updated. And she said that people are asked because, you know, you want to vote in primaries or whatever. You know, do you want to register as a, you know, do you want to stay as a Republican or a Democrat or, you know, an independent she said at least half of the people who are coming in for renewals are switching their allegiances from Republican and Democrat to independent. Okay, now this suggests that American people are just so sick and disillusioned by politics in general. They no longer believe in the parties that they used to believe in, but she thinks it's an interesting sign that Iowans are becoming disillusioned by Trump, that they, he, they're not, now he didn't win in 2016, he was beaten by Ted Cruz. Um, but that, and I think this might be why Ron DeSantis, who, oh God, love him, the humiliation, the humiliation, <laughs> what the things he will do for a vote. But uh, this is why I think he believes that if he can win Iowa, that he could then basically have people going, Jesus, maybe we should switch our votes to him. Look, he can, he has cracked the Trump brick wall. And and uh, I think that's why he's putting all his energy into Iowa, although it looks like a thankless task at the moment, and New Hampshire, because it's a very traditional strategy of, you know, you, you break out early and then you hope the money and the media will follow you. But I think in this case that that even though it, he he's a terrible candidate and anybody, most people I spoke to in Iowa just roll their eyeballs or whatever, about DeSantis, but they don't seem to be that committed to Trump either. The ones who are, are all the way. They're all the way Trump, but it's not all of them. A lot of people are, I think, really just unhappy with what they're looking at. They're unhappy with the choices. They're unhappy with the state of the country. And if somebody came in, I think if some banal, emollient type, like a Glenn Youngkin, the governor of, of uh, Virginia, if he came in and said, okay, I'm in, I think they would flock to him. They want somebody else, but they can't see anybody else in the motley crew that they're being presented with um, at the moment who they think they could swing behind. Well, we're going to come around full circle and talk about this towards the end of our episode. This is, of course, a two part episode every single week. There is a further 30 minutes of discussion, deeper dive into some of the stories that aren't getting properly covered on this side of the Atlantic over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. And among those stories, we have to talk about what is happening in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Absolutely astonishing yeah. Uh, what's taking place. And 
I'm sad that we ha- it's taken this long for us to talk about it. If you want to pose a question to Marion, it's very easy to do so. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com and we will get back to you. We read every single email that you send and we'll be doing a mailbag episode very soon. But for the rest of this week's show, come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.